Welcome back to another episode of Girl Take the Lead, where each week we explore womanhood and leadership. Today I'm joined by Kathy McAfee, America's marketing motivator. She's an executive coach, career mentor, and author. And she's also the creator of the Fearless Leader Program. I've known Kathy a long time, and she is passionate about helping women to become fearless and courageous and strategically positioning themselves for opportunities. And part of that is making bold asks. And she has made a bold ask in this episode. So check out around 31 minutes, 33 seconds for the ask that she has made that involves a free offer for you. So check it out. Thanks for listening. I've known Kathy, we figured out like about 30 years and it's, uh, we started together working at a, co- a contact lens company and Kathy was amazing in her leadership. She took on the um, launch of a new product in Europe for us and lived in Europe. And so she's just terrific. And I'm just so excited, not just on what she did with her career then, but what she's been doing with it now. So please welcome Kathy McAfee. Kathy, welcome. Thank you, Yo. Awesome to be here. And by the way, listeners, she was the best boss ever, ever. You want a boss like Yo Candy, believe me. Uh, so, so Kathy, for about 17 years, you have been working on leadership and, and personal branding and I'm wondering if you could just talk a little bit to start things out, like how you came to look at leadership as kind of from a fearless perspective. It was a more recent development and it really, to me, happened during the pandemic. I think we all had epiphanies and transformations or the opportunity for that during the pandemic. And so I had been building my business for 15 years. I was in the business of talent development, helping people with their careers, helping businesses build leaders. Um, but that moment where we all realized it was March, 2020, that everything was going to be shut down, that I realized my business was going to come to a standstill. Mm. I, I do consulting at that time, traveling to client sites, doing trainings, coaching, speaking at conferences. There was none of that. So I literally went from developing a healthy business to no income whatsoever. And I, like many people, both started to freak out, but also started to say, well, I'll just take a little time off. I'll you know, wait and see. But I knew that that would be a really bad thing to do. I had the feeling that was the wrong reaction to this pandemic. And so I literally was in the space in my office and I was walking, probably pacing the floor and right over here by my, my uh, file cabinet, I suddenly was struck with this feeling. It just surged all over my body. I call it the fearless feeling. And I made a decision. I made a fearless moment decision that I wasn't going to sit out the pandemic, that I wasn't going to fold my tent or close my business because heck, there was a pandemic. I was going to find a way forward through it, around it, underneath it. I was going to change, pivot, whatever I had to do. This was going to be, I really thought, the greatest learning and development for me during this pandemic. Mm. And that is when I created the Fearless Leader Program. 
I invested in myself. I took a course, I learned new skills. I figured out a new model to deliver what I had been doing completely virtually. And I got to tell you that not only changed my business, um, changed my year, but it even changed my personal mission about the work that I was doing. So fearlessness, you know, there's many types of leadership. The study of leadership, of course, is enormous. It's perennial. It's so important. You can never run out of things to learn about leadership. Uh, but for me, the discovery of the fearless leadership potential in all of us, uh, that was a game changer for me. And so I'm using that, that personal experience to help others tap into not only the fact that they're the leader of their life, all of you are the leader of your lives, even if you don't have the title, but you also have this fearless capacity within you to rise to the occasion and do what's necessary to pursue your goals and dreams, regardless of the situation or challenge. Mm. So what do you see as the difference then between courage and fearlessness? Like, how did that come to you? I remember I was interviewing somebody for my book on fearless leadership, which is coming out later this year. And I asked her that question. She was a very highly skilled psychologist. And <laughs> she told me, she basically said, fearlessness is for narcissists. I'm like, oh, that's bad. That's bad. <laughs> no, no. And she said, to be fearless is you're not thinking. You're not thinking of the consequences. And so suddenly I thought, oh my God, my whole platform is like terrible. But then I took a step back and said, wait a minute. Fearlessness. So here's how I, I think about them. Mm -hmm. um, fearlessness is a feeling. It is a, it is an impulsive feeling. Um, it motivates you to instant action, regardless of the situation or the fear at hand. For example, that incredible young leader who filmed the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis, she made a fearless decision. She took a fearless action. She pulled out her camera and she recorded for nine horrible minutes the murder of this innocent man. And that changed the world. Mm -hmm. She didn't stop and say, wait a minute, do I feel courageous today? What are the consequences if I do that? They might take my phone. I might get arrested. I might get hurt. I don't know if I should do this or not. She just impulsively acted. Okay, so that was a fearless action, a fearless feeling, fearless moment. Um, now we can't do that all the time because we do have to access our brains, right? To think through consequences and rewards. And that's where courage comes in. So whereas fearlessness is a feeling, an impulsive act, courage is more of a thoughtful act. It is more, if you will, a muscle or an attribute, a trait, a skill that you develop over time. Yeah. So the way I've reconciled those is fearlessness gets you going and courage carries you through. Yeah. Courage also seems to, to be like when you know the consequences could, could possibly be, you take the action anyway. You know, you're just motivated and driven to take that action. So it's amazing how long even the most courageous, brave person takes to come to a decision. You've ever been stalled on doing something important and you're wondering why am I not taking action? We're still courageous. We're still brave, but we're analysis by paralysis. So sometimes fearlessness can really be helpful to jumpstart a dead battery, if you will, which sometimes is within us. So what do you think are, are some of the components then that kind of keep us from being fearless? Like yeah. what, 
what keeps us. us. Yeah. What keeps yeah. us from taking oh, the action? Yeah. yeah. Well, it's actually embedded in the word itself. Fearless is fear. Fear can stop a lot of things. Um, so fearlessness is the ability to feel the fear and do it anyway, to, to take action despite the fear. So the kinds of fears that I have run into with my fearless leader participants are, you know, things like fear of failure. You got the high achiever people, they're always doing great things, but when there's just even a risk of failure, it might change their whole behavior. Uh, fear of rejection, something I often ha- throughout my career have suffered from. Fear of betrayal. So, and there can be fear of, of, of just speaking up, right? So there's lots of different fears. So fear stops fearlessness, at least temporarily. Um, to a couple of other things, limiting beliefs, beliefs that you have adopted as true, things about yourself or the world that maybe someone has planted in your head years ago and they did it to protect you. And now it's stopping you from achieving your dreams. Um, those can also be corrected, um, by the way. So fear, limiting beliefs, self-doubt, hesitation, unworthiness, AKA the imposter syndrome. Mm. Then also, you know, I would say a lack of self-awareness, which we all start out with a lack of self-awareness, but kind of through all our experiences. And if we're curious, we will become more self-aware. One of the books that we read in the Fearless Leader Program is Actualized Leadership by Dr. Professor William Sparks out of Queens University in Charlotte. It is an outstanding book, Actualized Leadership. And he talks about your leadership shadow. So your leadership shadow is kind of the, if you will, the dark side of you um, that often will come out and take over when you're under stress. So to be fully self-aware, we have to understand what happens when our shadow comes out and how to manage that shadow. Um, because otherwise we are reactive and we can self-implode, which has happened to me a numerous <laughs> times in my career. Just a few for me as well. You know, it's, it's interesting the, when you have in, impulsive action that, you, that just happens to you, you know, in the moment. And it, it seems to happen so quickly, like you don't even see the thought, but you flee or you mm-hmm. want to fight or, you know, whatever it is. And I had a situation where I was in a meeting and, and the vice president in charge of the meeting, I was a director. He was a, he had a higher level than me. And I really felt he was bullying me but I couldn't speak. All I could do was get up and leave. I had to flee. And it was so instant. I got into all kinds of trouble for it, but and you <laughs> live to tell about it. You live to tell I about it. But I think those things happen to us so quickly. And I imagine by, by taking your, your course or by training ourselves, we can, you know, we can slow it down and Why? we can say, do I really need to flee here? Am I really unsafe? Am I really? So what ends up happening in that situation is that the primal part of the brain, the amygdala looks like the shape of an almond. It's towards the front. That's the thing that drives us to flee, fight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. And so that's fear itself is a functional, keeps us alive kind of thing. And no matter if it, if there was real danger in that situation or not, you're amygdala was hijacked. That's the way they talk about it. A hijacking of the amygdala 
and you responded instantly without thinking. So, you know, how do we stay in control of our, what's called our executive function type of our brain to remain calm and mindful and, and not react? Um, that's a whole study in itself. I, I would say mindfulness is what you want to yeah. study. Yeah. But breathing, just breathing, three slow breaths, accessing your breath can get you back in control of your human brain um, so that you don't make a mistake in the moment of anxiety, fear, perceived threat. So that's something we can practice. Three deep breaths, stay in the room, stay in your body, uh, and just see if the body and the brain can kind of settle down and then you have some choice about how to react or not. I imagine that there are some people in Hollywood wishing that they had done the breathing. <laughs> Will Smith and just, he totally had an amygdala hijack and yeah, created some great television though, didn't it? <laughs> He's probably wishing he breathed a little I bit know, more. He should have breathed. He should have breathed. Um, how about... Um, did we cover the imposter syndrome enough? I mean, it seems to me that sometimes women have a little bit, I, I hear it more from women yeah. talking about that, right? Like they're going to find out that I'm really not qualified. Right. And I will tell you when I first came, when I first heard that term, I absolutely hated it. I had a visceral reaction. Like, why are we talking about that? Yuck. You're, we're making stuff up. Well, I did a little research on it and I've come to say, you can't just deny that this thing, uh, that people feel this thing, but it was created by the way. And if you Google it created in the 1970s, so it's kind of an old concept. Um, and they described it as uh, loosely doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. I mean, that's not just specific to women. Um, and that's not just specific to young people that anyone can feel that at any time. Um, so they coined it the imposter syndrome, but by tagging it to women and making it a women's problem has perpetuated and exasperated it. So there was a wonderful article I found on the Harvard Business Review, which, by the way, has some excellent, well thought out researched articles. Stop telling women they have the imposter syndrome. And that, that is worth a read. Um, we will give you the link uh, on the footer. Um, mm -hmm. And I recommend that you read it because it gives a really interesting perspective and brings in the, the newer known components of workplace uh, culture, bias, prejudice, microaggressions. And even though you think what's happening to me, you know, why is this happening to me? There are some things that are happening in today's workplaces that are creating that toxic environment that doesn't allow women to be recognized as competent, confident, capable. Um, and so I think we just need to be aware not only of what we have influence over. So for example, working on your confidence. Confidence, by the way, is not competence. Competence is your ability to do something really well consistently. You've mastered it. I mean, think about something. Maybe it's making mac and cheese, right? Like you've worked that thing. You've got that thing down. You are competent in making that dish, right? Other dishes, maybe not so much, okay? Now that's, you know, if you were a chef, that would be really important. Um, but in, you know, just if you're not a chef, then that's not a big competence concern. But you can learn how to do things. You can take courses, master skills. You can build competence 
on-the-job training, on-the-job experience. You can build confidence over time with effort. But confidence, yo, I believe, is your belief that you can do something well. One is, can you do it well consistently? Two, do you believe you can do it well consistently? So that's what we have control over. But confidence is so fragile. We could have bad weather or you know, a war in Ukraine. We could have a breakup and suddenly everything tanks. We no longer have a belief in ourselves in the world. And so we have to kind of do some self-care on that thing that we control our confidence. Um, and I think things like um, listening to podcasts like this, being inspired, reading, hanging out with supportive people, whatever you need to do to sustain um, a healthy level of confidence is really good for you. And it's really important in your career because people smell, they can smell, they can tell when you're not feeling confident. Yeah, because I can see then how important the role is for mentors and sponsors and other people to help lift you up a little bit, because we're all going to have those moments of, that come across and wonderful distinctions there, Kathy. I can really see that that's, that's going to be helpful a lot and to a lot now of people. In, in this new Zoom environment or virtual environment, how we show up online also, we're getting to the next thing, which is your credibility, other people's belief that you can do something well. We now have to master some new skills and some new level of confidence and comfort in how we show up as our best self, as a leader, as how we want to be seen and viewed online. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just getting ready for your podcast, I'm like, you know, I think my voice could be better. So how do I do that? You know, do, and so I invested in an external microphone and, you know, does that make me feel better? Does it really work? Somehow just having it here in the office makes me feel a little more confident. (laughs) (laughs) So we have to master this new environment. Um, And one of the things just for our young professionals, actually any professional, anyone who's got a a digital device, a tablet, a phone. I just want to remind me and all of us that when we are consumed down, arched over, engaged in this device, this body language, this level of inattentiveness, this does not do well for your leadership presence. So sometimes we have to put put the thing down, power down, go on airplane mode, sit up tall, look in the camera, be fully present for people Mm -hmm. that will send just a a much better impression and an honest one, obviously, if you're fully attentive um, and, and will do better for your brand, your presence in that moment. Good advice. (laughs) Uh, Really, really good advice. So I guess what I'm hearing a little bit too, is that sometimes we put the should on ourselves. Like we should, we should put that phone down. Right. <laughs> we should power down. We should go on airplane mode. Oh, I just should it all over your listeners. <laughs> I apologize. So how can, I guess, how, how do we watch that? Because those shoulds can be overwhelming at times and really take us down. Right. Right. So I was thinking about that today, uh, the difference between should and could, just you know, a couple letters. And should to me is obligation. 
you should do this. You're obligated to do this. And with that comes the guilt if you don't do it. Like everyone's expecting you to do this, you should do it. Versus could is a word of possibility. You could do this if you chose. It's one of the possibilities. It's an option. It's one of the things you might consider. So could is much more of an expansive, open-minded word than should, which is kind of closed and narrow and boxed in. And I, I, I bring that up, you know, because how we talk to ourselves, the language that we use, even to ourselves, whether we're actually talking to ourselves out loud or in our head, matter greatly. Your unconscious mind, your soul is listening. And if you should it to death, you're not going to be feeding it good, positive, expansive possibilities. So when you find yourself shooting, just pause, stop, breathe three times, and then just replace the word with could. Well, I could do that, or I could do something else. What else is possible? And it just, it will free you up from the guilt and obligation of, you know, the way the world is wired. And you might, you might find a new solution, a new possibility. And always remember that not doing anything is always an option. Yeah. It's one of the considerations. So you've talked a little a bit about some practices, but are there others that we can do to kind of work out those courage muscles more and make them stronger? Yeah. You know, I'm glad you said that because in my research on courage, I found this really great article. It was a blog post called The Six Types of Courage. And you, if you type it up, it'll kind of come to the right top. Six types of courage. And because I used to think courage was just physical courage. Take the hill, you know, military, police, jump out of an airplane, uh, do great sports things, things that I'm generally not wired to do. But it turns out that physical courage is just one kind. And we can develop and should develop physical courage. But there's also emotional courage and social courage. Social courage is one I'm keenly practicing because it forces me to do things that might I might be embarrassed to do or I might worry I'll be rejected. Could be anything, a phone call, uh, reaching out in an active way, not a passive way, could be an act of social courage. Ask, speaking up in a meeting is social courage. Um, so we can practice that emotional courage, social courage, moral courage, you know, saying what needs to be said, speaking the truth to power, even if there's a possibility of retribution, intellectual courage, challenging the status quo, uh, bringing in new ideas, you know, getting calling for accuracy and fact checking on certain misinformation, um, and, and spiritual courage is the sixth courage, doing things, you know, based on faith and belief, and you don't have to see it or know it, and taking that big step. So I think all of us, we need to have a full bandwidth of courage, not just one kind of courage. And the more we think about it and explore it, we can look at opportunities to develop that aspect of courage for yourself. Well, I think also, too, the distinctions... Um help us be better observers of our own different kinds of courage. Mm -hmm. You know, all I can think of now is, I mean, all these incredible fearless leaders in Ukraine. And mm -hmm. I, I, of course, Zelensky, President Zelensky, wow, what a powerhouse fearless leader. But all the residents, all the people signing up to fight for their country or to, to help, or the people in Poland taking in immigrants and refugees 
you know, all of that, all that courage, you didn't know you had it and you can tap into it. So we can, we can observe that to your point and we can learn through other people's demonstration of different types of courage. Well, I think sometimes people walk around with the belief that they're not courageous, but if, if maybe these different distinctions help them help to see themselves as, oh, but I do speak up or I did write that letter or, you know, just smaller acts of courage when we think it quote should be bigger. Right. Um, so thanks for that. I think that's, uh, that's really, I imagine it took you a lot of courage to start a podcast. <laughs> it did in some way. Um, I definitely saw it as a way for me to find a voice, which I was not in touch with because after being in corporate world for so long, it took me time to say, what did really matter to me? What really mattered was that everyone see themselves as leaders, just the the same kind of work you're doing. So it's just like, had to have you on the podcast because what she's doing, she's singing our song. She's That's right. We're like minded. <laughs> there was a there's a wonderful leader that I think would make a great guest for you. Her name is Judith Martinez, and she started the movement called In Her Shoes. Again, another like minded um, mission for for all for the two of us and and Judith. And she asks. She works with a lot of young girls, and she asks the compelling question. What would you do if you were 1% more courageous? And I, I wish I had come up with that. So I'm like, okay, she's 1%. I'll be 2% more fearless. Okay, but no, it's 1%, just one baby step, a baby step incremental. What would you do? What would be possible? What action would you take? I think that's just such a great question because sometimes we put, we make things so big, right? You know, like, it has to be a hundred percent or, you know, the overachievers and all of us, you know, well, it's not perfect. That's the thing about podcasting. It's never perfect. So that came, that was part of my learning in this, like, okay, let that go. Just go with it and see how it all turns out because you just don't know sometimes. Yeah. Um, I asked that question. What would you do if you're 1% more courageous uh, to one of my fearless leaders as an icebreaker and to be the facilitator, you know, you want to give them the majority of the airtime and, and the space to talk and hear their voices. But one of them turned it back on me. I'm like, Oh, no, I asked the questions. I don't answer them. Not the hard ones. Well, I, I think when I answered that question, I instantly knew kind of what I was really wanting in my life from a bold, interesting adventure, but taking it was just too big. So I said, you know what I would do? I would call my friend Jolly Lux on the telephone today. And I would tell her when you're organizing your next mission trip to Uganda, I want you to put Byron, my husband and I on the list. I couldn't get her on the phone, but I left a voicemail and that set the ball in motion. So again, I'm not there yet, but right now I am verbally committed to going to Uganda on a two-week mission trip to help women and girls and rural villagers with their health and their farming and their empowerment. But it took a lot of courage just to even insert my, I'd like to go to that. So it it can be a baby step. And then again, courage and a lot of coordination and lots of vaccinations (laughs) will get me there. (laughs) 
<laughs> Absolutely. So um, in one of your books, because you have like three, right? Um, the one sharpening your point, you talk about positioning ourselves to talk with confidence. And I loved, you know, as a marketer, whenever I hear the word positioning, I'm like, oh, I'm home. She's speaking my language. That's right. Um, right. And uh, maybe you could just talk a little bit more about positioning okay. yourself, well, because I think a lot of our listeners might enjoy that. This is sharpening your point winning the battle for communication efficiency. And I want to give a huge shout out to my co-author, Lisa Wallace. She's brilliant. It really is a book about communication efficiency. So efficiency is the fewest possible steps, right? Most efficient process. And for someone like me, who's a storyteller and paid, as so I used to say, I was paid by the word, which you're really not paid by the word, but that was my fantasy. I'm paid by the word. I can just keep talking. Um, there is another way and it's called, would you get to the point, please, in my lifetime? Okay. I learned through this book and working with Lisa Wallace is that there is a way to say what you need to say in less time with fewer fluff and filler and more upfront. And you can do that more powerfully. You don't have to be rude and blunt and, and you know, like the bull in the china shop. So a lot of times in meetings and discussions, people take a long time to get to the point. And we, the audience doesn't even know, why are we here? What are we talking about? What do you want me to do? So if, listener, if you are being called to lead a meeting or discussion, it behooves you to set the stage, to frame the discussion up front and to get to the point quickly and to keep your audience with you. So in this book, there is a wonderful, powerful tool called the PAIR strategy, P-A-R-E. P stands for position, A stands for ask, R stands for rationale, and E stands for example. And so there's a framework, which really a guideline on how you can open your meetings and discussions. And I mean, in less than 60 seconds, you are, you're, you've started the, the work, right? You've, you've, uh, you've started the discussion and your audience will love you for that. But the couple parts that Yolanda, that you're tapping into is the P, which is position. So position means that you take a, you take a stance on a topic. You confidently, matter-of-factly say what you think, feel, or believe about a topic. And so often women and minorities and young professionals, we defer to the people in the room who have the official high titles who have authority when we don't, and we leave it to them to say the position. So that the, the training, retraining of yourself to actually say, okay, if this was my company, and maybe it will be someday, if this is my team, maybe it will be someday soon, what is my position on this topic? And you just say it, I think we should blank. I think when this happens, that's the impact. I think this is the best course, period, sentence, no argument, state it like a fact. You can learn how to state your position. You are on your way, my friend. But then you got to make an ask because a meeting without an ask is just an informational meeting. I call it a do nothing, right? You have an opportunity once you state your position to ask for something to ask for resources that you need to finish that project, resources or money or uh, new hires or staffing to fulfill that obligation. 
um, resources that you need to realize your full potential, full potential, like a promotion, like a raise, like the job, asking for the job, asking for the order. You've heard these things before. So we have to kind of train ourselves to make an ask. What is my ask? Even just thinking about that. What's my ask today? All right. My ask all of you is actually, I'm going to give you all those of you who will take my ask. I will give you a complimentary copy of sharpening your point. And I ask you just to send me a LinkedIn invitation. And my LinkedIn handle is linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Kathy McAfee. Send me a personal note so I know who you are and why you're reaching out to me. And I will send you a copy of this book. That's so generous, Kathy. <laughs> Listeners, I'm telling you this. Ask. Yeah, yeah. You, you wouldn't know if I didn't ask you, right? Right. And, and it'll be great practice for people. So yeah, the, the book is so good. You guys, you really have to take her up on this wonderful offer. And it's uh, fun. There's actually an example of the pair strategy in this book uh, about a marriage proposal. It's super funny. You're going to love it. So if you're going to think about proposing marriage to <laughs> someone you love, you could do a pair strategy. It's not romantic. It's not long-winded. It's just, it's just get, you know, let's get down to it. Yes or no. <laughs> and I think because there could be some of my podcast friends listening too. there's an example in here. I remember it being personal branding. Might want to check that. Nice. I think nice. that's that's page one oh nine when you Ooh, get your book. Right. One oh nine. <laughs> yeah. So, so just just before yeah. we leave, ask uh, Yo. I want to also just invite your listeners to become a student of the bold ask. Bold ask. If you're asking for, let's just say, donations to your favorite charity, now you could ask for five dollars or even one dollar, right? If you have a dollar, any amount, no amount is too small. Um, $5 would be great, but you might be able to say, you know, $100. You might actually, for some people, be able to say $1,000 would be great. I'm asking you for $1,000 or more donation. Or for some people, it might be $10,000 or $100,000 or a million. I mean, what if you actually had the courage to ask for a million dollars and you got it? But if you didn't ask, you wouldn't get so again, I, you know, you can't do a million for every situation, but you can step up your ask and, you know, reach for the, reach for the, the, was it the, the stars, you might get the moon or something like that. Just a bigger ask, whether it's a title, a job, a piece of business, um, a donation, practice making a bigger ask and have some fun with it. Yep. And I think that's just such a important part of things. It's, it's like the clothes almost. It's almost like if it's on the table and you're leaving it on the table, if you don't. Right. Could even be the beginning. Be the beginning. I know, I know for me, yeah, I know for me, it's probably something that I could definitely practice a lot better at. And I think we all could, you know, it's, it's a lot easier to just sort of leave it, go away, not, you know, don't want to be a bother. Don't want to be a nuisance. You know, a salesy, right. (laughs) Yeah. So that right there, that's a limiting belief, right? So if you're building a business, you're starting an entrepreneurial venture and you have attitudes about sales like that, 
you won't grow your business. Yeah. So I, and I know, cause that's how I did. Uh, I marketing and sales are two sides of the same coin. I'm the marketing side. Ooh, sales. Yuck. So I had to reframe for me. Sales is service to sell is to create a, a to be of service to somebody else. And you will find your way of doing it. But if you don't ask, people won't know about what you have to offer. Uh, if you don't ask for the business, they won't know to give it to you, or at least they won't know that they're invited to work with you. Um, so it is, it is a, it's a, it really truly is an act of service to sell and ask for things. Uh, you will find your way, but have the courage to ask. Well, I think that's a good place for us to kind of take a look at the things that we've been talking about and mm -hmm. maybe just confirm for all of our listeners, how they can contact you for coaching. She's so great. You can just hear it, how lucky I was to have her on my team and to have that kind of energy and passion. She was just amazing. So you're going to be in good hands if you definitely follow up with her and check her out. So what's a good way for people to contact you, Kath? The best way really is through LinkedIn, especially if we don't know each other. Uh, and I say that because once we're connected, uh, we can have conversations. I can follow your career. Um, I can help people that you know. So my go-to social media is LinkedIn. If you want to email me, I'm going to give you my easiest email, which is my Yahoo account which I know all the branders will go, don't use Yahoo. But I was like, I'm lazy. Okay, I'm going to use it. Uh, so marketingmotivator at yahoo.com. You can reach me that way. But remember, email is kind of a, it, it's a weird place and that things go in the spam file and they get lost in the black, you know, black hole and people don't see them. So if you don't hear back, then you need to go to my website and go to my contact page and find another way to find me. And my current, um, website is a, it's a long one, prepare yourself, americasmarketingmotivator.com. Or if you want to get there faster, just go to thefearlessleader.com, which is where I'm migrating towards, and then hit the, uh, the contact page and you'll see the various ways, including my, my cell phone. Um, I, am, I am doing at this time executive coaching or one-on-one -on -one coaching and I'm also doing the Fearless Leader Program, which is an eight-week group mentoring program to help you get your career and business back on the right track. I have a, I have a cohort group. This is cohort learning. So it's not just me you're going to be learning from. You're learning from uh, eight to 12 other people around the world, um, men and women from all different industries, um, all different stages of their career. My youngest Fearless Leader has been 17-year-old from Venezuela a rock star. And my oldest so far is a 68 year old who's reinvented herself. And she herself is a podcast host and everything in between. Um, so I have a new group that is starting May 4th through June 22nd. And then I have another cohort. These are open enrollment programs, September and October this year. So if that is of interest to you, check it out at thefearlessleader.com. And the last thing I'm doing, you know, is I'm just, I believe in thought leadership. I like to write this was my, this was my fourth book and I am on manuscript for my fifth book, which will be about fearless leadership. And, um, I just need to feel the fear and produce it anyway, right? Publish anyway. <laughs> so I'm praying. I have a call with my publisher uh, in two weeks that he will 
light the fire under my fearless leader, you know, what and get this thing done. Cause I know oh, you read that. We need it. I mean, if you just listen to, well, this podcast and all of the things that you're talking about, it's we, everyone needs it. So we need your book. So yes, I'm right with your publisher. Awesome. Let's get it done. Kath. Done her. <laughs> doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't. It's not that you should do it. It's just, you know, <laughs> exactly. yeah, I choose to do it. I, I could do it. I will do it. I know and be I courageous. Yeah. Be courageous. And um, to the listener, I'll be putting all of that information in the show notes. So you can look for um, Kathy's contact information there. Um, anything you want to close with? You know, I want to close with a quote and it says the future belongs to those who believe in their dreams. Eleanor Roosevelt, who herself was a fearless woman, a fearless leader, a great thought leader. And so when I think about the future belongs to those who believe in the, in the beauty of their dreams, I want your listeners to believe in themselves, to invest in themselves and their futures and to be fearless in the pursuit of your dreams, because you are going to feel fear. You are going to run into obstacles. Um, it's going to happen. It's called life, but don't get stopped. Be fearless, be courageous, find a way through, around, under, over, connect with people that will help collaborate with you. The world needs what you have to offer. Mm -hmm. On that note, that's a wonderful note to thank everybody for listening. And, um, We'll be back to you next week. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today. And if you liked our episode, please leave us a rating or a comment. This helps us reach more listeners. Also, please join us at our public Facebook group, Girl Take the Lead. If you missed any of the information, the details are in the show notes about Kathy's generous offer for her digital book. Next week, please join us. We'll have... Dominica Turcan join us and she will talk about the Mother's Day movement, which is making a difference globally. Talk to you soon. Thanks.